Part 2, Chapter 5b of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. At this time, Spain, having concluded peace with the French Republic, had disbanded the greater part of her army, probably without paying them. The roads were infested with brigands, especially the mountains of the Sierra Morena, which we had to cross. We travelled in a convoy composed of several carriages only. We did not take any military escort, which would probably have been in league with the brigands, the former soldiers. But the mounted travellers who joined the convoy had taken the precaution to be armed to the teeth. A convoy was usually composed of from fifteen to eighteen covered chariots drawn by mules. It is thus that we set out from Cadiz. We occupied, my husband, my son and myself, one of these chariots, in which we were stretched out at full length upon our mattresses. Below, in the bottom of the chariot, was placed our baggage, covered with a bed of straw which filled the spaces between the trunks. A hood of cane, artistically sewn and covered by a tarpaulin, protected us from the sun during the day and from the humidity during the night, for it happened several times that we preferred the chariot to an inn. But in speaking so soon of our departure, I have anticipated, because we remained a week at Cadiz. Every evening we walked upon the beautiful promenade of the Alameda, which looks out on the sea where you can breathe a little air after having endured during the day a heat of 95 degrees. A spectacle which I have never forgotten was the magnificent bullfight, the day of Saint-Jean. This national fate of Spain has been described so often that I will not attempt to write of it here. The amphitheatre was immense and held at least four or five thousand persons who were seated upon the steps and were protected from the sun by a canvas awning similar to the velum of the Roman amphitheatres. The awning was kept constantly wet by a spray-like fine rain, which did not go through the cloth. Thus, although the performance began after the midday mass and lasted until sunset, I do not recall having suffered a moment from the heat. They killed ten bulls, who were so beautiful and so well-bred that they would have made the fortune of an American farmer. The matador was the first of his kind at this epoch. He was a handsome young man of twenty-five years. In spite of the terrible danger which he ran, on account of his remarkable agility, you did not feel any anxiety. Certainly, at the moment when the two adversaries, alone face to face, looked steadily at each other, before the bull rushed upon the matador, the most poignant emotion which could possibly be felt gripped all of the spectators. You could have heard a pin drop. But you must understand that the matador does not give the coup d'épée. He only directs the point of the sword upon which the bull rushes to impale himself. This spectacle was an epoch in my life and no other has left upon me so powerful an impression. I have never forgotten the slightest detail, and the recollection is as fresh in my memory after so many years 
as if I had seen it yesterday. The day fixed for our departure, we let the convoy set out and remained my husband and my son and myself to dine with Mr. Langton. A bark which had been prepared by his thoughtfulness was to take us to the other side of the bay to rejoin our caravan at Port Saint Marie, where we were to pass the night. During this long journey, we did not travel faster than a man can walk on foot. I was feeling so ill that my husband hesitated to let me set out, and yet there was no means of drawing back. Our baggage had been sent forward. We had paid half of the cost of our trip as far as Madrid. Our passport had been visaed, and Monsieur de Roxant, a Republican consul, would have regarded any delay with suspicion. He would have attributed it to some pretext. And as I have always believed that one can surmount any evil, except perhaps a broken leg, the thought never occurred to me to remain at Cadiz. We therefore dined with Mr. Langton, after having been present at the departure of our travelling companions, who were to sleep at Port Sainte Marie. Nothing could be more delightful in point of neatness and care than this place of Mr. Langton, which was kept in the English fashion. He had adopted none of the Spanish practices except those customary to avoid the inconvenience of the very hot climate. The house was built around a square court filled with flowers. On the ground floor there was a line of arcades and an open gallery at the first floor. An awning stretched at the height of the roof covered the whole surface of the court. In the middle a jet of water reached the canvas, which being thus constantly wet communicated a delightful freshness to the whole house. I admit that I experienced a very painful feeling in thinking that instead of remaining in this agreeable place it was necessary for me to begin a long journey in a heat of ninety-five degrees but the die was cast and it was necessary to depart after this farewell dinner towards evening we entered the bark and in an hour and a half the wind being favourable we arrived at port st marie there we found our caravan composed of fourteen carriages and six or seven hidalgos armed from head to foot. The aim of our second day's journey was Jerez, situated at a distance of only five leagues. As I had need of rest, we made up our minds once more to let the caravan go ahead and to rejoin it in the evening. We therefore took dinner at an early hour at Port Sainte Marie, a very pretty locality, then we took a cabriolet, similar to those which I see here at Pisa, where I am writing these recollections. Our vehicle was attached to a large mule which had no bridle, which seemed to me curious. Upon the head of the mule was balanced a high plume to which bells were attached. A young boy with whip in hand sprang lightly upon the shafts, uttered some cabalistic words, and the mule set out at a trot as rapid as a good hunting gallop. The route was superb, and we went like the wind, the mule obeying docilely the voice of his little driver, avoiding obstacles and winding through the streets of the villages which we traversed with a wonderful sagacity. At first I was afraid, but 
reflecting that it was the custom of the country to drive this way i became resigned arrived at harris i was curious to know the value of a mule like the one which had conducted us and was told that it was worth from fifty to sixty louis which seemed to me quite dear the following day began our real travels i was still indisposed but stretched out as i was upon a good mattress and the road being very fine i did not suffer more than i would have if i had remained quiet at two o'clock we stopped for dinner in some wretched inn and it happened two or three times that we preferred to pass the night in our chariot rather than to sleep in bed so filthy as to be disgusting it was night when we arrived at cordova as we were travelling a certain distance behind all the other members of the party had already found their lodgings when we reached the inn as there were only beds to be had at the inn it was necessary to look for a place to eat we finally succeeded with some difficulty on account of the advanced hour in finding a kind of cabaret where we could only obtain some bread and a few slices of fried bacon the following morning there was a delay in the departure of the convoy which gave me an opportunity to see the magnificent cathedral of cordova of which so many descriptions have been written you can readily believe that travelling in so uncomfortable a manner and also feeling quite ill in the heat which reigned in andalusia from midday to three o'clock the period of the day that we ordinarily stopped i did not feel like visiting the monuments this time we passed an hour in walking through the forest of columns of this cathedral the muleteers came to urge us to set out they were carrying sufficient provisions for two meals which we were to take in the open that day as there was no dwelling in existence in the part of the country which we were going to traverse on leaving cordova we rode for a whole hour in the midst of groves of lemon trees and of moorish olive trees which were abundantly watered before arriving at the wall of the ancient city of which vestiges are still being uncovered this will give an idea of the immense surface which was covered by this large moorish city of other days as in italy you obtain an idea in the same way of the limits of ancient rome we had our dinner as had been arranged near a well in the midst of a pasture covered with sheep the eye could not measure the extent of this plain which was several leagues long and covered in part with fine grass and in part with dwarf myrtle trees several pomegranates covered with blossoms arose around the well this halt had something oriental about it which singularly pleased me i preferred it very much to the stops of three hours in the dirty inns which were always so hot the next day and the days following we crossed the sierra morena and saw two pretty little cities of la colotta and la carolina these had been built by german colonists and we observed that certain characteristics of the german physiognomy had not yet been entirely effaced we encountered children with blonde hair whose complexion as dark as that of the spaniards was in marked contrast with their blue eyes 
these little cities are picturesque and are constructed with regularity on fine sites this route which is very beautiful is bordered on the hills by a parapet of marble at the time this was the only road between the south of spain and castile to my great regret we did not pass by toledo we arrived at aranquez for dinner the fifteenth day of our journey i think here we remained for the rest of the day we admired the fresh shade the handsome weeping willows and the green prairies after having come from andalusia which was baked by the sun of july it seemed to us like a green oasis in the middle of a desert the river tagus although very small is conducted with such art through this charming valley as to produce everywhere a delightful freshness the court was not then at aranquez nevertheless for some reason which i have forgotten we did not visit the chateau the following day we reached madrid after a halt of two hours at puerta del sol while our baggage was being examined ransacked and inspected it would have been useless to show any impatience for the sang-froid of the castilians is not put out by anything finally the signal for our departure was given and they took us to the hotel a mediocre inn located in a small street here we were assigned quite a good room my husband immediately dispatched the letters and packages with which mr langton had charged us for his wife and his two daughters then i made a more careful toilette than that of my chariot with the intention of going to see these ladies after our dinner but they called on us first a half hour had hardly elapsed when we received a visit from two of the most beautiful ladies i have ever seen baron dandier and mademoiselle carmen langton the mother who was ill had not been able to go out their brother-in-law monsieur brown accompanied them his wife who was dead had been the third mademoiselle langton who was said to have been more beautiful even than her sisters these ladies showed us great kindness and attention and their brother-in-law proposed that we should take a little furnished lodging in the quarter where these ladies lived he took charge of all the necessary arrangements and placed himself at our disposal for all the time that we remained at madrid our sojourn could not be shorter than a month or six weeks at least because we were awaiting replies from bordeaux to the letters which we had written from cadiz however on account of the delicate state of my health i wished to be at le Bouille before the tenth of november my husband went the following day to see the ambassador of the directory to have his passport put in order as he still preserved a very vivid recollection of the reception of the citizen the former comte or marquis de roxante he was very agreeably surprised by the kind reception of the ambassador he was the general later the marechal perignon formerly under the command of my father he had received from him assistance which advanced his career not having forgotten this he was full of politeness for my husband nevertheless his gratitude did not go so far as to honour me with his visit the seigneurs of other days were not yet in fashion as they became later on 
we remained six weeks at madrid during which time we were overwhelmed with the thoughtfulness the attentions and the kindness of the langton and andilia families the son-in-law of madame langton monsieur brown whose wife had died the preceding year conducted us to all the most interesting parts of the city and every evening madame d'andilla took us to the corso then to take an ice in a fashionable cafe at the end of the rue d'alcala monsieur brown showed us the portrait of his wife she had been as beautiful if not more beautiful than her sisters and he could not be consoled for her loss at the age of twenty-two years end of part two chapter five b